turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Joe Biden approves sending 3,000 reservists to Europe. Putin's tenure as president of Russia is tied to this war. White House cocaine mystery remains unsolved. They certainly answer to the administration, and the administration wants his story to go away. Disney's CEO Bob Iger states he no longer wants to be drawn into culture wars. The last thing that I want for the company is for the company to be drawn be drawn into any culture wars. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, July 14th. I'm Mike Scott. On Thursday, President Biden authorized the Pentagon to tap up to 3,000 reservists for deployment to Europe. Military expert Hal Kempfer explains to us what this deployment means. What it does is it very much links the Operation Atlantic Resolve. And Atlantic Resolve is really the bolstering of NATO, particularly the eastern front of NATO, in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And we have been rotating lots of forces in there. Of course, we've been following this over the last almost year and a half, uh, the rotation of various brigades going into uh, Poland, um, various forces from all over NATO rolling into the Baltic states and, and bolstering up that that eastern uh, that eastern frontier, if you will, right up against Ukraine, right up against Belarus, right up against Russia, and of course now with Finland today becoming part of NATO, um, you might see some rotations potentially even going up there. Kempfer goes on to say that he now believes the reservists are being called up and into action to allow active duty forces to come home and rest. This operation has gone on for 18 months. So a lot of those active duty units, they've rolled into Europe, they've rolled out of Europe, they're rolling back into Europe. And at some point in our total force structure, we have to augment that by bringing in certain reserve units to kind of fill it out, to give those regular active duty units a chance to come back, you know, basically regroup, retrain, refit, all the things that need to be done because they can't be deployed all the time. Meantime, President Biden's trip to Europe continued with a stop in Finland. Biden was confident that he had accomplished showing Russia the strength of NATO ties, proclaiming that NATO leaders showed the military alliance more united than ever. Although Ukraine's demand for an explicit path to NATO membership remained elusive. Biden said the alliance would support Kyiv's long-term security even without its formal entry. The president in Finland addressed reporters and said that, in his opinion, Vladimir Putin has already lost. No one can join NATO while a war war is going on, where a NATO nation is being attacked, because that guarantees that we're in a war, and we're in a third world war. So that is not about whether or not they should or shouldn't join. It's about when they can join, and they will join NATO. The uh, issue of whether or not uh, 
um, this is going to keep Putin from continuing to fight? The answer is Putin's already lost the war. Putin has a real problem. How does he move from here? What does he do? And so the idea that there's going to be what vehicle is used, he could end the war tomorrow. He could just say, I'm out. But what agreement is ultimately reached depends upon Putin. Retired General Jack Keane disagrees with the Biden assessment that Putin has lost, but adds that the war has not gone in Moscow's favor. Well, I wouldn't characterize it that way, certainly. I, I think what's, what's more accurate is Putin failed to accomplish what he set out to do, and that was topple the regime and take over the country. And he thought that was going to happen, as we all know, very mm-hmm. rapidly, and that the Ukrainians would just collapse in the face of, of Russian movement. That did, that did not happen. As a matter of fact, Ukraine has been able to retake some territory uh, since the inception of the war. So that, it, he has not lost a war, that's for sure, but he's not going to take Ukraine. In terms of his Putin's initial objectives, that's not going to happen. You, you, Putin cannot mount an offensive of any consequence. Keane stresses that he believes Putin's future is tied to the war in Ukraine, so he's not giving up that easily. Pretty much unknown to the American people, though, even though we talked about it for a couple of weeks. They had an offensive back in January of this year that lasted one month. The intent was to take the Donbass region, which they had tried to take in 2014, and which they had tried to take after the, uh, the attack in February-March failed. Their third attempt, it lasted one month. So now they can defend better, they can attack. But no, that's a wrong characterization. Putin yeah. is in this thing for the long haul. And after the Prigozhin affair, it, it, it absolutely accents the fact that Putin's tenure as president of Russia, is tied to this war. He knows full well that if Ukraine takes back all the territory, he is likely gone. And he wants to hold on to some aspect of the 17% of Ukraine's territory now and declare that as being successful. When it comes to Volodymyr Zelensky's frustrations with NATO, Keane said that his frustration is understandable. Certainly Putin takes away what I think we saw, and that is the United States and NATO fumbled initially on this thing. I mean, certainly Zelensky got upset by it. Why did he get upset? Because it's pretty simple. Everybody knows that based on NATO's charter, they're not going to join NATO while the war is going on. But he wants to be in it as soon as possible after war termination. And what he was looking for was a commitment for an accelerated timeline, not to be treated like uh, the post-Cold War nations who joined NATO and had to meet all these conditions, and that would last for a number of years. And that's what they threw at him. He got no accelerated timeline. He said, well, you're going to have to meet these conditions. That got him frustrated. Why? It's understandable. Mm -hmm. He has been fighting NATO's major adversary that they stayed organized after the collapse of the, of, the, uh, of the Soviet Union. He's been fighting them for 18 months. He's destroyed half of Putin's army in Ukraine, and he wants recognition for that, that Putin will reattack once negotiations take place. He'll rearm, reorganize, and reattack. That's why he's saying, get me in as soon as possible as a hedge against Putin reattacking again. This comes as reports suggest that Russia's leadership is suffering friction 
and confusion as a senior Russian general who was fighting in Ukraine said he was dismissed from his position after he accused the military's leadership of betraying his troops with a lack of support. The Secret Service says that they are closing the investigation into the White House cocaine discovery due to a lack of evidence connecting the drug to any one person of interest. The Secret Service is ending its investigation into who left a bag of cocaine at the White House without naming any suspects. The agency announced today that there is no physical evidence to pin down any person of interest. Tests for DNA and fingerprints on the cocaine bag have come up empty. Surveillance footage also did not give agents any concrete leads. The closure comes 11 days after the cocaine was found on the ground floor of the West Wing, forcing a brief evacuation of the building. This comes as the Secret Service confirms that marijuana was found twice at the White House in 2022. Critics are calling the shuttering of the investigation ridiculous and accuse the Biden administration of a cover-up, with agents unable to find a suspect despite poring over surveillance footage for more than a week. Republican Representative Nick Langworthy of New York says that the briefing from the Secret Service left him with more questions than answers. Everybody that has come out of the, this briefing has said that, you know, really they were very disappointed that this is a, is a shut case already. Uh, this is the most uh, surveilled building in the world, it's one of the most secure places on the planet, and we don't know who walked in there with a bag of cocaine. Uh, I think that's really sad, and I think what's on full display here, once again, like it is almost on a weekly basis, is we have, you know, two sets of laws in this country, laws for everyone else and laws for the Bidens. Langworthy theorizes why the Secret Service has already shut the case. Well, I, I think that they an, they certainly answer to the administration. The administration wants this story to go away. The, as as one of your panelists mentioned, you know the story has changed as to where the cocaine was found. Uh, in in the the timeline has has changed along the way. There's only so many people that have access to these spaces. Uh, and and I, I assure you that you know if there was a, a major international question or a security uh, breach, there they would know precisely who was in what parts of the building, when and where. Uh, I think it's all. Convenient. When asked if Langworthy believes the Secret Service is covering up for the president, he had this to say. I think it's it's definitely possible. I mean, how many people had access to the building at that time? I mean, I, I think they don't want to go through the trouble uh, to, to put the proof forward. So it's either going to you know, implicate, you know, someone very close to the president or someone, you know, on his senior staff or, or within his, his staff. And, and that, is, that is going to be something that's very embarrassing to the administration. So they're going to just consider the matter closed right now. The New York congressman also believes this is another embarrassment for the White House. I, I absolutely think the Secret Service uh, are extremely brave. They're there to protect lives. They're not there to be, you know, the uh, uh, the cocaine police of the White House. The fact that this, this question mark is hanging over the White House's head right now is very embarrassing uh, for the administration. I think I, I, if any lawmaker in, in, in this Capitol, this happened in their office, uh, it'd be certainly something that we'd want full investigations into our own staffs and in, in we'd want answers. Uh, the fact that this is being... Left 
left so open-ended for the American people uh, who now have a question of, is there a drug problem in the White House if there's bags of cocaine being left out on a table or in a, in a corner? Ultimately, Langworthy believes that the administration should be more transparent about what they know. I'm not saying that there's a widespread drug problem, but there's clearly somebody that brought cocaine into the building on a large scale. This wasn't a small amount. And and I think that this is something that uh, the American people do deserve answers for. It's really a shame that we see an open and shut case just so easy. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre didn't do the administration any favors by refusing to definitively say no when asked repeatedly if the cocaine was from a member of the president's family. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has struggled with a crack cocaine addiction. Republican Senator John Cornyn of Texas says President Biden's policies continue to allow illegals to flood across the southern border. We get more on this from our Daybreak Insider in Washington, Bob Agnew. You can see the... uh the administration trying to spike the football. Senator Cornyn says while it may be true things have improved since the administration was allowing 10,000 illegals to cross the border every day. It's tr- tough to brag when the starting point is an all-time record that happened on this administration's watch. Cornyn says the administration may be wrongly interpreting the improving numbers. So now that it's down to only 3,400 a day, it's not as bad as it could be. And let's pat ourselves on the back and say... Job well done. Cornyn says the influx means child traffickers and shipments of deadly fentanyl are still going largely unchecked. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. Just when you thought the feud between Disney and presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis would go on forever, maybe it won't. According to new interviews with Disney CEO Bob Iger, He doesn't want the House of Mouse to get drawn into a culture war fight with the government of Florida. The last thing that I want for the company is for the company to be drawn drawn into any culture wars. You know, we've operated for, you know, almost 100 years as a company making product that we actually are proud of in terms of its impact on the world. I don't really want to engage in the specifics except to say that it's, it's not our goal to be involved in a culture war. Our goal is to continue to tell wonderful stories and have a positive, positive impact on the world. You know, we are a preeminent entertainer in the world, and we're proud of our track record there. Yahoo Finance's Alexandra Canal believes that with Iger signing a new contract that will last another two years, the feud between the media giant and Florida's governor may not be over just yet. If you're DeSantis and you heard the news that Iger's on for another yeah. two years, you have to be like, oh, I thought he was going to be out way Through sooner. Through the election, yeah. Exactly, because yeah. this is a feud that's not going away anytime soon. But in regards to the parks, there is a slowdown. The company did say that park attendance is going to, you know, slow down a bit towards the back half of the year due to a variety of factors. That's something that analysts have called out. It'll be interesting to see in the upcoming earnings report in August whether that was the case and what Disney is guiding towards in the future. But Bob Iger... He is very bullish on the parks. He thinks they have a lot to offer. And it's really the one true area of Disney where they get a lot of data on Mm. all of these uh, attendees, all of the fans, and that could trickle into other areas of the business as well. Disney has been feuding with Governor DeSantis since last year. 
when the entertainment company publicly condemned the governor's parental rights bill. The legislation prohibits public school teachers from instructing students on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. The number of Americans applying for jobless benefits fell again last week. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House takes a look at the brand new numbers. The Labor Department says applications for jobless claims fell by 12,000 to 237,000 for the weekend in July 8th as the labor market continues to defy the Federal Reserve's attempt to cool it by raising interest rates. The four-week moving average of claims fell by 6,750 to 246,750. Jobless claim applications are seen as a proxy for the number of layoffs in a given week. have voted to strike after failing to reach a contract with studios. We get more on this from our Daybreak Insider entertainment correspondent, Margie Zaraleta. The Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Radio and Television Artists say it voted to strike after negotiations failed over pay increases, streaming residuals, and artificial intelligence issues. Union President Fran Drescher says it was a move of last resort. This is where we drew the line in the sand, and it's a terrible thing to have to do. But we were forced into it. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers say in a statement it was the Actors Union's choice to dismiss its offer. The actors will join Hollywood screenwriters who have been on strike since early May. I'm Archie Zaraleta. And finally, forget the casket. You can now send your ashes to the final frontier. Celestis, a space burial company based out of Houston, Texas, is preparing to launch its first deep space flight and with it about 196 capsules containing the ashes or DNA of regular folks and stars alike. Some of the notable remains include those of Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, along with James Duan and Nichelle Nichols. Forget a casket or cremation. One company wants to launch your DNA into outer space. Jerry and Elizabeth Paulus are just two of the nearly 200 people whose genes will soon be rocketed off-planet by Memorial Spaceflight Company Celestis. While so-called space burials are not an entirely novel idea, Celestis is taking the concept to a new frontier, beyond the sun and into deep space. The flight, not just exploring the stars, but carrying them as well. DNA from Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, as well as cast members James Dewan and Nichelle Nichols, will all be on board. The Paulises say they're thrilled to know a little piece of them will be out exploring the cosmos for thousands of years to come. Colby Youngblood is president of Celestis and says that the capsule they're launching will go farther than any capsule before it. That repository is going to be 330 million kilometers out into space. And there's a reason why Youngblood feels so strongly about sending human DNA into space. It's going to be the first and only uh, repository of our civilization out in the universe. No one's done that before. Youngblood says that there are also DNA samples 
from important American figures on board. We got a hair follicle from uh, George Washington, uh, President uh, Dwight Eisenhower, and President John F. Kennedy. So while you may think space burials would be expensive, turns out they're cheaper than you'd expect. According to their website, the Earthrise package, which sends capsules into space, then brings them back to Earth, starts at about $3,000. In the Earth Orbit Service, which starts at about $5,000, remains travel aboard a satellite, which orbits the Earth for periods ranging from a few months to a few years. Comparatively, the National Funeral Directors Association released a report showing the national median cost of a funeral with a viewing and burial in the United States is $7,800. The median cost of a funeral with a cremation was approximately $6,970. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.